And we are live with the Dawes Gang Podcast, wherever you may be and however you may be listening, welcome. And I'm your host, Zach Austin. Well, it's been a minute since we have posted any episodes on this podcast. Sorry for the delay. It's been pretty busy with Christmas break and whatnot, but it's good to be back. Happy New Year, everyone. And this is the sixth official episode of this Dawes Gang Podcast. A preview of what we're going to have here tonight. I'm going to talk just for just a little bit about a couple of things, you know, a couple of sports, you know, and then the main part of this episode we will get to soon here for you. We will have Dalton Pileski on the show when we return on this next segment. It was a very eventful New Year's, you know, met some new friends, you know, watched some sports, you know. It was kind of a bittersweet weekend. You know, the Buckeyes lost to Georgia by one point in the college football playoff semifinals. Well, and while the Michigan Wolverines lost by only a couple of points to TCU, Dalton and I will get to that for you as we let this episode progress. There's not much else going on except for a little NBA. The Lakers are on a two-game win streak. LeBron, I think, has had back-to-back 47-point games. I like to say LeBron scored 47 in each of the last two games. That That's big time. You know, the Lakers are still several games below 500, and LeBron's going to be without Anthony Davis, so we're going to have to see if the Lakers are able to get it together. You know, Thomas Bryant was LeBron's second best player. They need to get that man some help. You know, and it's absurd for me to think that, you know, LeBron is going to have to do all that, score, like, have damn near a 40-point triple-double every night just to be able to keep this team in contention. But the problem is I know damn well he's not the type of guy who carries a team like he ha- has been able to in the past before he came to the Lakers. So last night was a really good night in the NBA. I think like Donovan Mitchell and the Cavs win in overtime had, I believe, a 70-point triple-double or pretty close to it. He scored 71 points, guys. That man scored 71 points. That's unbelievable. You just don't see games like that very often. He's like, that's like a top five scoring game in NBA history. Still for my money, though, nothing will top Kobe Bryant's 81. You know, Kobe Bryant's 81, that's the best scoring performance I've ever seen. I think I watched it when I was about five years old. So, yeah, I mean, it's real. To be honest with you, in retrospect, it was a very eventful last night. You know, it was a rough day. It was a very good day in the NBA. Maybe the best day we, in NBA we, we've we had this year. But in reality, none of that matters. No sports from last night matter. No sports for, from today matter. The only thing that matters right now is the, is the status and condition of that young man, DeMar Hamlin. That was some scary stuff to watch on the football field last night. You know, even from a fan's perspective, my thoughts and prayers go out to that young man. You know, I I just hope he's okay. You know, whether games do end up continuing 
whether that game ever does get finished or whether whether the games even get finished. The, the game scheduled for this coming weekend. That's the least of our concerns for my money. <sighs> that was very rough to watch. You know, I saw Skip Bayless's tweet. You know, you may have seen Skip Bayless's tweets on it. You know, that, that man saying, oh, all of a sudden it seems so irrelevant. Yeah, Skip Bayless should definitely be fired from his job at Fox Sports. Another news, uh, Eastern A basketball and high school basketball and wrestling will all get started back up here on, I believe, Thursday, Friday, and even Saturday. And the following weekend will be the Cowboy Invitational in wrestling. So we'll, I'll probably be talking about that in future episodes as well. That's pretty much all I have for right now. Please enjoy the next half hour as I sit down with Dalton Pulesky. We're going to take a quick break on the Dollars Gang podcast. We'll have him on the show coming up next. Welcome back to the Dolls Gang Podcast, and joining me right now is a very good friend of mine. We go back a long ways, grew up together, playing sports in the street and whatnot, Did a, grew up together, and this young man and I go back a long ways. Please welcome to the show, Dalton Pulesky. Dalton, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good, Zach. I'm glad to be able to be on the podcast with you, and... Excited to answer some questions and talk some sports with you. Always. So, how's college at Morningside going for you so far? It's been good so far. Finished the first semester uh, just before Christmas break, and everything went pretty well. Um, I'm in the middle of basketball right now, so got a weird little break here over Christmas and New Year's, but excited to get that going again when we get back. Yeah, making a lot of friends over there. Yeah, it's been good. The Going there right away, I didn't know anyone in the school, uh, knew nobody, and so it was definitely an adjustment. Uh, the first week was kind of a little awkward, you know, just other than started talking to more people and made friends on the teams, uh, tennis and basketball, and then, so yeah, since then, it's been going really well. Yeah, so to start off, uh, can I tell me, how your, how's your fall tennis season been going? You know, you tell me that uh, you've been doing some pretty good things in fall tennis. Yeah, the fall tennis season uh, went really well for me. Uh, the first, my first collegiate uh, tournament of anything was my first match. All that uh, we went to a tournament with the G Pack. All the G Pack teams were there, and uh, there's different there's different brackets for singles, doubles, and all that. And I actually won my singles bracket, and so that was a really good start to my college career and gave me some confidence going forward. Oh yeah, it's big things coming this spring, right? I'm hoping. I'm excited to get going yeah. again in the spring. And, and that GPAC conference, to my understanding, that's a tough conference in all of the NAIA. Like, one of the tougher ones you'll find. You know, obviously you have Morningside and football, you know, those two other schools, right? Grandview and who's the other one? Northwestern and football. Yep. And then Jamestown yep. won in volleyball. Dort won in cross country. That is 
One of the tougher conferences you'll find, ladies and gentlemen, in the NAIA. Yeah. All across the board. Um, anyway, um, so basketball started, right? Have you been playing both JV and, and varsity off and on, right? Yeah, well, I'm mainly on the JV um, as there's there's not very many freshmen that get any playing time on the varsity. Uh, the varsity team is doing really well right now. They're ranked, I think, 18th in the nation and have been playing really well up to the break. And so... Sometimes we'll be together, but mostly when we're separate, I'm with the JV team um, right now, and it's been going well. Yeah, so is that where you scored your first couple of collegiate points on, was the JV? Yep, yes it was, and that was in our, I think, se- yeah, second game of the season, I got my first point, so yeah, that was exciting. Who were they against? Um, North, Northeastern uh, College, and it was in North, at Northeastern, so it was an away yeah. game. Where's Northeastern at? Um, Norfolk, Nebraska. Norfolk, Nebraska. Yep. Um, yeah, you, you said you, you got another one in another game after that, right? Yep, yep. Uh, since then, I, I've scored a couple more buckets after that um, at home, but that was just the first one to get it started. All right. Now, obviously, as I said in the introduction, we go back a long ways. Um, so kind of talk about us, you know, growing up together, you know, even played a little bit of sports together a little bit, um, you know, kind of like just kind of talk about it, like growing up, you know, and playing sport and also like your experience, your experience playing sports at a young age as well. Yeah. Growing up, it was always fun. We'd always have our neighborhood games out on the street yeah. and with you, your brothers and me and whoever else was down there with us playing. We would be playing basketball, football, all that stuff. And so that was a lot of fun, uh, just playing sports in the neighborhood at a young age. And then it translated to, you know, all of us doing what we were doing in high school, junior high, up to there. And so, yeah, it was just a lot of fun growing up and being able to have a neighborhood that would always be willing to go outside and play sports together. Yeah, and there were also a couple of times where – you know, where all of us would be out, like, playing outside together. And, like, for, for the last time, no one knew it, you know, especially, like, you know, that house across the street, you know, where there's, like, a bunch of different people that have moved in and moved out of that house. You know, it's a, good times, good times. Anyway, uh, so kind of talk about, you know, four-sport athlete, Custer County District High School. You know, t- talk about that, you know, you play football, basketball, baseball, tennis, you know, can I talk about your, your experience, you know, all-conference quarterback in football, all-state in basketball, all-state in baseball as well as I recall correctly, two-time state champ on the tennis courts, you know, talk about that experience a little bit, and then also, um, what schools were coming after you in, in what sports, you know, besides Morningside, what other schools were coming after you in what sports, you know, before you ultimately came to the conclusion that Morningside is where I want to spend the next four years? Yeah, so all through high school, uh, I played all four sports, and I mean, it was a lot of fun, and it kept me busy definitely at times. You know, I was in season pretty much all year, every year, Um, but if I had to do it again, I would do the exact same thing. I had a ton of fun doing it, Uh, met a whole bunch of different people, built some good relationships with players and coaches, and yeah, I mean, some of my best experiences in my life, most of them have come from playing sports with those teammates and friends, and so... That's one of those things that people say, wow, that's a lot. That's a lot of time. You don't have any free time, but I would do it again for sure. It was just so many memories and so much 
enjoyment. Uh, then, yeah, as far as the recruiting process goes, um, I ended up choosing Morningside because of the opportunity to play both basketball and tennis. Um, I had several different schools talk to me for basketball and for tennis, but it was kind of the only one that uh, I visited and talked to both coaches, and both coaches seemed on the same page. They said it would be okay to play both. Um, they would work with each other, which they have really well so far. Um, and it was just when I visited, um, they were both positive, uh, good coaches. And it was just, I made the decision based on, I think I can continue both sports here. And I think the coaches will be understandable with it. And I think I'll enjoy it. So that's how I came to be at Morningside. Yeah. So, um, and, and one thing I kind of forgot to get to, you know, would, would you say, um, you know, having your dad as an assistant coach your senior year in tennis had a different vibe to it? You know, it definitely did. Uh, as the season started, I didn't know how I felt about it, but having him there, uh, he definitely helped push me. Um, just, he's, he's competitive, you know. <laughs> you know always. He's always competitive. And so he'd push me, you know, in practices. We'd play some matches sometimes. You know, he'd try to get in my head, you know, talk trash to me. And then everyone else, um, well, a lot of people were saying, oh, you're doing this really well. You're doing really well here. You keep winning matches here. After every match, after every tournament, when I came home, he'd always just tell me, you know, what I didn't do well, what I needed to work on. You know, always was saying, that's not good enough. If you don't, if you don't fix this, you're gonna, you're not gonna win state again. And, you know, just that kind of stuff. He's like, I don't think you're gonna win state again. And so just having that in your ear can be discouraging to a lot of people. But growing up with him, I know that that helped, you know, push me and. Just having him there, yeah, helped me push me to not not let off after winning my junior year and to continue strong through my senior year. Yeah, now, um, I, as I've often told, like the the head coach basically like often sat back and like kind of let your dad do do all the talking to the players. <laughs> yeah, my dad is definitely a, a talkative guy. Um, has a lot of a lot of ideas, and so yeah, um, it was cool how letting seeing him have a voice in the program this year, and I think most of the kids enjoyed his different perspective um as, as the game of, for the game of tennis as he he's still on the staff this year as well i think he plans to be yep yep i think i think so um i'd have to ask him for sure but yeah i think he yeah. plans to i think he enjoyed it and i think he's looking forward to it yeah. again um so um who are some of the best athletes at morningside so far could be in any sport you know I'd say most of them are in football, you know, but yeah, there's definitely... who are some of the best athletes at, at school, you know, that, that you've got to meet or that you've got to have known? Yeah, there's definitely some uh, standouts in different sports. Uh, the football team, as you know, is a dominant football program. I mean, winning three national championships in the last four or five years, whatever it is, and making it again this year to the semis and dealing with some injuries that could have caused them not to win it. Uh, with beating the eventual champion earlier in the season. But football, I think they had a couple All-Americans um, who were really standout players, fun to watch. And then basketball so far, there's a couple upperclassmen that have been really fun to watch, very impressive playing. And so just watching those guys is a lot of fun. All right. Now for our next question, it's another season of basketball at – at every level, it is basketball season once again. Basketball season's in full swing, especially with this new year. Eastern A basketball is also underway as we have 
a whole bunch of teams competing for four state tournament spots. Now, um, you know, kind of talk about what have you seen in Easter Egg basketball? You know, obviously you've played against some of these teams in, in the past, you know. Like who are the, like this year, 2022, you know, you have Lewistown, who is the runner up. And then people tell me Lockwood's on the rise are going to be one of the top teams. And obviously I can't imagine Central misses the state tournament for a second year in a row, but then pretty much there's going to be a whole slate of teams competing for that fourth spot. One thing I don't like about that fourth spot is that play-in game that you have to compete in with the West to get to state. First and foremost, I think that format needs to be scrapped as a whole across all sports that it exists in. But, um, yeah, so what have you seen? And who are some of the top teams? Who are some of the top players to watch out for? Yeah, I've, I've tried to pay attention. You know, back when I was in Sioux City, and then now that I've been home, I got to watch a, a Cowboys game and stuff. And, yeah, like you are saying, um, Lewistown's obviously a standout uh, with doing what they did last year and doing what they've done already this season. But then the rest of the Eastern A, from what I've seen, it's going to be super competitive for those last three spots with, I mean, I think it's about as tight, tight of a race as I've seen in a while, as far as a lot of different teams can get those spots. And it's good to see Miles City with a strong record so far um, going into the new year. And it'll be fun to see how they do in this new year. Yes, they're four and one, right? And they got Haver, I believe, on Friday. And a big one on Lew- against Lewistown on Saturday. Yep, Haver will be a big game for them, too. Um, I think it's in Haver, right? I-, I believe so. Are the gals at home, do you know? Uh, I think so. I think the, yep. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah now, now for, on the girls' side, the way I see it, like there's four other teams the Cowgirls got to be able to compete with. And they got to be at least one of them to actually – actually say that they're in the top four of this conference, this Eastern Conference. Um, I think they've lost their two games by a combined six points. Those are some tough ones. They should have beat Central, obviously. Maybe they'll get another crack at them. But, um, yeah, the, the girls' Eastern, Eastern A is always super strong, and so it's tough to think that if you make it state from the – from the east, in the girls' basketball side, as a four seed, you could very well end up with a four seed at state or the four, fourth place at state as well. Just knowing how strong the Eastern yeah, Eagles that, is, that almost happened last year actually. But um, you know, obviously Laurel, like I say that it's been a few years since Laurel's girls have made it to state. Um, now, basically, from what I see, it um, you know you have Central, Haver, and Harden. Those were the clear-cut top three last year. This is the first time since probably my junior year of high school, which was several years ago, that I can honestly say that those are not the clear-cut top three teams. So that's good. You know, the Cowgirls are competitive with all of them. You know, one team I'm surprised that kind of has fallen off a little bit. Obviously, you have Glendive girls. who They made the state tournament one year, and I don't believe they won a single game last year. And now they, they have a new head coach. We'll see where he takes them. Yeah, I don't – if I remember right, I don't think they won a game last year either. Um, and this year I got to watch the uh, the Cowgirls play them in Glendive. Oh, yeah. And the Cowgirls won that game pretty easily. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to yeah, see. Yeah, and uh, boys won a thriller yeah. in, on the, in the nightcap. But mm-hmm. – um, yeah, but who knows? Glendive girls have a new head coach. We'll see if he can carry him to the same heights that Randy Robinson's brought the Cowgirls to. But, um, you know, one thing I've noticed on the boys' side, you know, I can't remember Laurel 
being this bad ever. I think their one win, if I recall correctly, came against, uh, let's see, they, they beat Livingston. Livingston's, okay. they, they ain't what they were when Brendan Johnson played for them. But. Yeah, I haven't got a, I have not got a chance to watch Laurel this year, um, but I have seen some of their scores, and um, yeah, I just remember all through high school, Laurel was always a super competitive game with us. Oh um, yeah, losing more than we won, unfortunately, yeah. against Laurel, and yeah. Uh, so yeah, I haven't got a chance to watch them, but yeah, it's definitely interesting seeing the uh, different scores over the years. Yes, yeah. fun little note, you know, fun little history tidbit for this crowd out there. When this man was a junior, they got only the they defeated Laurel at home. I believe it was in December, either December or January. Yeah, that was only the second time that his team had beaten Laurel since 2006. The Cowboys still have not won a road game in Laurel since 2006, and though chances are the you you got to think that they're gonna end that drought this year. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think they will end that drought this year. And I remember that game you're talking about. Um, I think Laurel came in ranked first or second in the state. Yeah, they ended up third in the state that year. Yep, and they, they hadn't had a loss um, in Montana yet. They had one loss against the Wyoming team, but um, I think they were like 8-0 against Montana teams, and we gave them their first loss. And that was definitely uh, – that was probably one of my favorite wins in high school basketball. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh... – <clears throat> yeah, I think yeah that drought I think will definitely end that this year. And of course, I, I think they've missed the state tournament one time since that 2006 season, and that was in 2018. Um, and meanwhile, Central's guys missed the state tournament for only the second time since well, well, probably since Jim Sturgar became the coach. I would think. Uh, so they missed it last year. I'd say last year was the first year that the Northeastern area like can say like, "Hey, like we're we're not just going to roll over and play dead against the likes of Central Laurel and even Harden." Like Harden's not at the level they were, but like Central and Laurel for years have been like the talk of the East. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, one thing I can recall: seven of the last eight. Divisional tournaments of the old Eastern Divisional area, you know, where they took two teams. Central and Laurel represented the Eastern at State. And I bet you you and I both remember that one year both of them didn't represent the Eastern at State. Central got third, didn't get a challenge game. And Miles City beat Glendive in that semifinal game. That was an epic game. Yeah, it's just, it's crazy to see how the uh, times have changed because even... You know, growing up in my time through high school, um, Central, Laurel, and Harden were pretty much powerhouses that youth kind of assumed those three were going to make it yeah, every year. Then everyone was kind of fighting for that last spot, it seemed like. And this year, it's I mean, it's possible. None of them make it, or once again, they could all make it. It's just, it's not, I don't think they're quite looked at as the powerhouses um, of the conference anymore, which is exciting for teams like Miles City. Yeah, um... Yeah, who knows? Um, now, I'm not the biggest. Man, I I gotta think long and hard before I say this next thing because I I know what I'm probably gonna talk about. But uh, you know, Billing Central, obviously, you know they state champs in 21, but the next year they lose out to Haver in that loser out game. But of course, 
their gals, they, they, they took second at state to a Taver team. They, they'd had their number four for a long time. Um, now, you know, in our personal conversations, we often talk about, you know, private schools, you know, and things that they do, you know. Here, you, you know, you have a private school, you know, it, it's the second smallest enrollment in class A, but I mean, the success they have is not an accident, right? I mean, I mean, private school and they, I feel like the way all of us see it, you know, they, they pretty much like can pull in the best players from the state's biggest city, you know, three double A high schools along with other A and B and C schools within that school district. I mean, I mean, what one's got to admit though, I mean, I mean, one thing I'm tired of, you know, is, you know, seeing people act like, you know, it's just all schools are created equal. Like all schools definitely are not created equal. Yeah. And I'd agree with that statement because, um, I guess in my opinion, um, enrollment size doesn't really matter, uh, if you are a public, if you are a private school, excuse me, because if you are a private school and have a small enrollment, every school, I mean, every student in that school is likely could be an athlete or, or is, um, is involved or is probably like rich or involved in some extracurricular activity of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. And even if they're not all, um, I'd say a good majority of them are there for an extracurricular mm-hmm. activity or a- athletics. And so with that, I don't think enrollment, uh, is a huge factor because you can kind of, I mean, you can have a reason to be there and, yeah, it's just I don't think that's a huge um, thing to look at when you think of success because enrollment size isn't necessarily a direct correlation with uh, kids that are going to go out for athletics. So, yeah. Now, um, likewise, you know, the other school we're talking about, Laurel's a public school, so I mean, but I mean, it, but it definitely helps that they have the second biggest enrollment in Class A. They're right next to the Billings area. So, but. Um, you know, Central, I mean, another question we got to ask, you know, would their enrollment be double A level enrollment if they were a public school? Um, Judging by there's uh, two double A schools in Billings. Three. There's three. Yeah. I mean, I would say probably then because a lot of a lot of students would probably just go to Central because uh, of location where they live. Um, But with it being private. Yeah, I think. That's a big reason why they're still in the Class A level. I mean, likewise, then you go Butte Central out west, you know, which is, I believe, three hours west of there. And obviously, defending state champs, they're going to be – if they don't win state again, they'll probably end up second. You know, like they and Lewistown, I think, are probably going to be the top teams. Anyway, you know, you have a school like Butte Central. They have barely over 100 kids in their school. That's Class C level enrollment, and yet they remain competitive in a lot of sports at the Class A level. Yeah, I, I don't know much about Butte Central because I've never played them or heard about a bunch of news. Uh, so that's the first time I've heard of that, and that that is wild. Over just barely over hundred kids and winning state titles in Class A is definitely uh, a crazy stat to think about. Yeah, like I mean th- that there's no way that happens by accident either with only a hundred kids. You know, um, like. But I think, you know, when, when you're a private school, I guess, with that enrollment, like, you're probably able to stay a little bit more competitive with with those other schools. Um, so anyway, um, it, it was a wild weekend for 
you know, college football playoff Saturday, you know, obviously my buck my Buckeyes of Ohio State kind of what a crushing one point loss to Georgia. But on another note, Michigan lost to another other than TCU. They're in their first ever title game. Yep, and I've I've been a big TCU fan since I was probably about ten years old. Ten so years old, eh? That was yeah, that was an awesome, awesome game for me. And I remember I texted you before the game. Oh yeah, you did. And I I said, Don't be surprised if TCU wins this game. And I also did say, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State won that game. It was really close on Damn. that. And you you definitely doubted me, um, and TCU, I did. but yeah, I was just super excited for them because they haven't had a ton of successful seasons like those other powerhouses. Yeah. Now, the year Ohio State won the national title in 2014, TCU, they were five, I think. And they it could have also as easily been them. But I in the end, the committee got it right, though, because, I mean, I mean, you never know. You could probably put Alabama and they could probably run the table. I mean, I mean Alabama, I mean... They they could be good at any time whether they have one loss or two losses. I mean, but it's it's gonna be awesome, you know. Who knows? We might see a little bit more of that, you know, once this playoff expansion starts in twenty twenty four. Yep, absolutely. Yep, and yeah, it's it's gonna be an interesting national championship game. Um, I think yeah. Once again, TCU opened up as huge underdogs. Uh, even bigger this time than against Michigan. Oh yeah, definitely. That's gonna be a tough task. And, for them. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, you know, I'm I don't I don't know how I feel about it. I hope TCU can hang with them and maybe pull off a huge upset. But uh, Georgia, as you can see, last two years, three years. I mean, they won it last year. They're obviously a huge task to have to play. So that'll be an interesting game. Oh yeah, you know Georgia. That then that defense. Ohio State played the best offense they had all year. I mean, Stetson Bennett came in the clutch. I mean, they made plays at the end, you know. But Ohio State, they all played their hearts out, you know. But but I've said this about Ohio State, man. Sometimes I get a feeling they're starting to be just another team to me. You know, you know I just kind of look, see how they're doing, you know. Yeah. Oh, well, another year that they don't – end up winning the natty, you know, like, cause ever since two, with rare exception, 2002-2014, they're consistently loaded with the type of talent, especially at the wide receiver position like Alabama is sometimes, you know, and I just see, see these teams with loads of talent and like they just, they, they have so much national championship potential just like Alabama does, but they just can never quite get it done in big games. Yeah. That's all I've seen for the last eight years since they won their last one. Now, Urban Meyer's squad, given the circumstances, they could probably get it done in big games with, with what they're given. I mean, so especially since Ryan Days took over, he's hasn't really been a big-time coach. I mean, to be fair, neither is Jim Harbaugh of Michigan. Prob- him probably even more so, although he has beat Ohio State the last couple of years. Who knows? Maybe they'll get another. Maybe Kyle McCord will be just every bit the quarterback his predecessor was. Yeah, it'll be interesting to you see uh, how the future goes between those two teams. I know you dislike Miss Michigan. Oh yeah. And uh, I think I think Ohio State was very talented this year, and I think if they did end up playing Michigan again, like in the college football playoff, I would uh, think Ohio State would beat them. Um, I do. I just think that Ooh. game. I think that game this year was a little bit. I think Ohio State just kind of got stunned off the bat, kind of like Michigan oh, yeah. did against like, TCU this in yeah, this playoffs. So many big plays, you know. We, you talk about blown assignments, plays that 
make a difference. Yep. You know, yeah, I mean, a lot a lot of what these coaches try to talk about is assignment sound football, right? Yep, yep. And just big plays, turning points. Uh, a lot of the times, games are decided by huge explosive offensive plays or defensive touchdowns, special teams touchdowns. And as you saw in the Ohio State-Michigan game, Michigan had a lot of explosive plays. And then as you saw in the Michigan-TCU game, TCU had a couple big defensive touchdowns, big stops and first and goal, second yeah. goal, third goal situations. And those those type of things um, can just completely change a game. And, I mean, 20-point swings in games just by less than five plays. Yeah. Now, I would never, ever want to take away from TCU ever, but uh... – you know, I mean, there were some questionable calls. I mean, there was a potential tar- targeting call at the end. I believe there was on a fourth down play for Michigan. And then I think there was another play. I think Michigan, like, their receiver, like, had the ball, like, what looked like be in the end zone, and he was ruled short by a yard. I mean, in all fairness, though, Michigan shouldn't have fumbled at the goal line on that next play. Yeah, I – yeah, that was, that was crazy. I saw the big play, and then – I actually walked down into my kitchen uh, to get a snack, and I came up and thought it was a touchdown. And all of a sudden, I just saw a pile up at the goal line, and TCU players pointing they had the ball. And I, I kind of freaked out. I was like, "What just happened?" And then I kind of went back, saw the, the replay uh, down at the one, and then the fumble. And yeah, that's just a huge turning point in the game. And then as far as the targeting goes, um, I did think, I was nervous that they were going to call it. Um, Same here. I thought it was for sure going to be targeted. But in, in that situation, I know you can't change the rules for a situation. Um, but when there's a situation like that, he needed another 10 yards for the first down on fourth down. Ooh. Oh, you have to, that's an automatic first down otherwise. Yes, yes. But um, he, you, if you're a TCU defensive player, you might be expecting a lateral or something like that. And so I can see trying to get him to the ground. And then if you go earlier into that game – the snap was fumbled past the line of scrimmage, I think. And so I think leading up to the almost targeting was a, uh illegal forward pass anyway. Oh, oh yeah. like well, And I think that did have a factor in the call because say they call it targeting, well, then you got to go back and look at the illegal forward pass, and I don't know what they would have oh, called yeah, there. The more I think about it, I don't know if it was while I was watching the NFL but, or whether I was watching college fo- football, but I do actually remember a, an – illegal forward pass in at least one of these games I was watching this weekend. And, you know, just a side note, I mean, SEC officials were officiating the game. I feel Michigan's fans' pain because, I mean, SEC refs aren't exactly the best refs at all. You know what? Mm-hmm. At all. You know, SEC refs are kind of – they've had some really bad moments, especially in the Ohio State-Clemson game a few years back. Yep, yep. Yeah, and there's definitely some questionable calls in that game. Um, and, yeah, that play could have been called targeting uh, by, the, by, by definition. But I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been surprised either way while I'm watching that um, because of the situation, because, you know, the down distance, the, the fumble. I mean, it hit, hit McCarthy's leg, rolled forward, passed the line of scrimmage, and then was pitched back. So I don't know the exact ruling on that, but I know after – it crossed line of scrimmage. Someone did throw a forward pass, and so I, I think that, I don't know. I think that was, would have probably been called an illegal forward pass anyway. Definitely. And where's the national championship game being played again? Um, ooh, I think it's. I can't remember. It, it 
It's not in Indianapolis. I think it was in Indianapolis last year. Yeah, I don't know for sure. Um, I did actually look at tickets, but those are a little oh, too expensive for me, <laughs> for me to make a trip. A few of my friends at Dawson Community College like, actually went to that Ohio State-Clemson playoff game in which the Buckeyes lost to Clemson. You know, you know sounds like pretty f- much. Like, it was a lot of fun, you know. I had some good times with those guys. You know, I ended up taking a trip to Iowa with them, but, you know, a little jealous, you know, they got to go watch the Buckeyes. Yeah. You know, I, was, I was pretty stunned watching the end of that game on TV, but Buckeyes got their revenge and whipped Clemson the next year, so I'm happy with that. Yep, yep. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Dalton Pulaski. Dalton, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Zach. I enjoyed it. And you've been listening to Dalton Pulaski here on the Dalton in the on the Dallas Gang podcast. This new year, and well, it's been a few weeks. We are back to our regularly scheduled programming, and we're going to have some more guests on for you as we get farther and further into the new year. We got some more good episodes coming for you. Well, we're going to be talking a lot of sports, as this podcast title implies. Hope you enjoyed your Christmas break. Hope you enjoyed your new year. Have a great start to the 2023. Here's hoping 23, the year 2023, brings you good luck. This is your boy Dallas signing off for now, saying so long and good night. <laughs>